Welcome, listeners, to Season 6, Episode 3 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we are watching Uma from 2022. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to hopefully be good during a Jessa. This episode will contain discussion on animal death, generational trauma, and gaslighting. If any of these things are something you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time. What is the name of this lovely beverage? <laughs> I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna name it here. Uh, I'm gonna call it I'm sorry, ancestors. Oh my. I'm sorry, ancestors. It's got a little comma in there. Okay, this is going to be the first time I'm going to really um, talk about my process, I think. Ooh, you're an artiste. This drink got aesthetically away from me. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to do something traditional. Uh, So I looked up a bunch of different uh, Korean cocktails, and I was going to sort of try to play on one of those. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of them said to get soju. So I got uh, yogurt soju, which apparently there was a lot of really good cocktails for that. Cut to looking up all of these things, having no ideas, realizing we didn't have a lot of the ingredients that I needed. So what I did is I broke it down. I had soju. That was the thing that I was going to. It was the the, the static variable in this concoction. Mm -hmm. Then we had ginger and honey moonshine. They were on a bee farm. Perfect. Sounds it's good. True. Works out well. In the Jessa that they did at the end of the the movie, there were raspberries. <laughs> and I thought we had raspberries. We did uh, not. So, we did until yesterday. Yep. So in lieu of fresh raspberries, we're going to be using raspberry jam for this one. Add a little, yeah, add a little sugar to it, you know. Then I put cream in because I was like, okay, this is really just starting to sound like a, a yogurt. It's got it's got a raspberries. Who doesn't love honey and a good yogurt um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the yogurt soju? So I was like, all right, to make it kind of the color um, and to kind of cut off some of the alcoholic kick that a lot of these ingredients were doing. I tried to put cream into that. It immediately curdled. <laughs> so, of course. To- <laughs> and but but you uh, have a lot of unique milks in the fridge. Because I can't drink regular milk. (laughs) (laughs) So I googled, does coconut milk curdle in alcohol? Apparently it doesn't. So I decided to fall back to that. Coconut adds a nice little thing. So I mixed all of that together. It does not look good. It looks chunky. It looks a weird, sickly color. Uh, And my strainer clogged up. So there might be some... (laughs) 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 <laughs> there might be some seeds and and raspberry flesh uh, in the drink. Listen, I'm not perfect. And I hope that if anything, this humanizes everybody at home that <laughs> my cocktails may sometimes seem professional, but you can basically just throw whatever you have in your house and hope that it works. Uh, <laughs> so please tell me, what do you think of I'm sorry, ancestors? The first thing I thought when I took a sip was that it tastes like yogurt in a good way, mm-hmm. uh, which I, it was funny because I had no idea we had yogurt flavored soju. So I was like, how did you get it to taste like yogurt? <laughs> <laughs> but it does. And that mm-hmm. really comes through nicely. I also think you really uh, 
oversold how awful it is because it's really not awful. I did say aesthetically, (laughs) but it doesn't even look awful. It's got a dusty rose color and it has a nice texture. The only thing I will say that there are little flakes of the coconut milk Uh um, at the top, but that's like to be expected if you're having anything with coconut milk in it. I would say so. This is pretty good. I am enjoying it. It's also really hot today. So having mm. this nice fruity beverage, I, it would have been better with the fresh raspberries for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I still really enjoyed this. I think that the ancestors would be proud of you for doing what you could with what you had to honor them. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I like it. It is. I, I think adding the cream or the milk really helped to cut a lot of the edge off of it. And it does kind mm. of bring it back down to that sort of yogurty vibe that I was going for. Yep. I don't know this. I hope it was good. <laughs> it's good. It's not hard to drink either. So you did what you wanted with adding that coconut milk. The glass ends up looking gross because coconut milk just decides to do something on, on glass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Ooh, we did it. We got across the finish line. (laughs) This is where we thank all of our patrons. Thank you so much. Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Aiden T, Ollie A, Jackie V, Les Represent Podcast, Roxanne B, Aubrey L, and Colleen D. Thank you all so, so much for supporting the show. We are so grateful. Without you, (laughs) we wouldn't be able to enjoy I'm Sorry Ancestors as we discuss the film Uma. (laughs) <laughs> and it means a lot to us. It really does. So mm-hmm. thank you all for supporting the show. Also, another side note, I made way too much of this and I have a cocktail shaker full of the other half of this drink. Like when you buy a milkshake at a, <laughs> at a diner. diner. Hell yeah. So this week we watched Uma, which premiered on March 18th, 2022. It is written and directed by Iris K. Shim. And it stars my favorite, Sandra Oh, as stay-at-home beekeeper, business owner, and single mother, Amanda, and Fievel Stewart as her loving daughter, Chrissy. This synopsis was written by an anonymous user on Wikipedia who did it all so well that I didn't have to add anything. Nice. Korean immigrant Amanda and her homeschooled daughter, Chrissy, Chris, live on a rural farm raising bees, selling honey, raising chickens, and living without modern technology as Amanda has an allergic reaction, in quotes, to electronics and electricity. She's upset to learn that Chrissy wants to leave the farm in order to pursue college. When Amanda receives the cremated ashes of her recently deceased estranged mother, or Uma, in a suitcase from her uncle visiting her from Korea, she is confronted with memories of her abusive childhood. Soon after the ashes arrive, a vicious spirit appears, intent on claiming Amanda's body for itself. As the supernatural phenomena following the delivery of her mother's ashes progress, from visions of tormented Korean spirits, including Uma's spirit, to an encounter with a kumiho that was eating her chickens, Amanda suddenly becomes more paranoid and fearful that she's slowly becoming her mother. This fear becomes realized when Uma successfully possesses her daughter, when Amanda tries to bury the ashes. Chrissy finds her mother performing the Jessa and gets attacked by her. Amanda confronts the spirit of her mother and acknowledges that it was unfair that Uma had been expected to raise a child all alone in a country far from home and in her circumstances, but that it was not an excuse for abuse. This compassion and understanding allows Uma to finally move on and be at peace. 
The film ends with Amanda rediscovering her family heritage and sharing it with her daughter, as well as coming to terms with Chrissy's need to live her own life as she heads off to college. That was pretty solid, right? Mm hmm. Just like Hit the bottom with- of this cocktail. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hit me with that trailer audio. Can't wait to get to the bottom of it. Oh, no, it's the, the milkshake version. Oh. <laughs> your life is so retro. Do you even have a phone? No. So how do you talk to your friends? My mom is my friend. Stop. Turn it off. Who are you? No! Come here. What else have you been lying to me about? All of this is for you! I can't wait to leave. You're not going anywhere. Here. I couldn't find a teaser trailer for this. So that's the full trailer, which always we say reveals too much. Yeah. And it really did. But there's something about this one also that I felt like it was edited in a way that made me like I love the tone of the trailer more than I loved the overall like scares of the actual film. Yeah, I get that, too. It was a lot more. Well, they added the like almost a 24 like creeping sound in the trailer that never Mm. shows up in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does make it feel a little bit more creepy than the movie ended up being. Uh, But that, that feels like points. (laughs) So dive on in. Um, I'll skip to that. My last point, I had a little one, which I kind of can talk about now is that um, I really felt like they could have gone harder into the paint uh, with the scares in this movie. but I, th- I almost think that the reason they didn't was that they wanted it to be more realistic at the end that Amanda and Chrissy were just like f- good enough to keep living their lives. Mm. Um, I think that if the movie ended up like really getting terrifying and um, like almost unbearable, they would have needed to end with a little bit more darker toned ending. Uh, and the ending of the movie is like really bright and happy and uh, uplifting. Yeah, um, it's like the typical horror movie that you want to watch when you're young and you're like, I'll only watch a scary movie if it has a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that they wouldn't have been able to realistically do a happy ending if it got too, too bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there would have had to be more recovery at the end than everything's fine now. Um, Going to school. Bye. Yeah. But I think that they intentionally had to sell it more darker in the trailer to get people to watch it. Uh, I don't know. It was kind of weird in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, my, my first thought <laughs> uh, is that I really like Chrissy and River, uh, who's the, um, she was like the niece of the, the guy that's helping out on Amanda's farm. Mm-hmm. Um, their friendship just felt really soft, which I really liked. There was some kind of implied romantic undertones there, but uh, whether or not that was the case. Kind of implied. The second they started talking to each other, I was like, now kiss. <laughs> I mean, as viewers, definitely. <laughs> um, I'm, And as a queer and feminist podcast, normally we would view it under that lens. But my fear is that if we 
analyze it that way, it kind of turns a bit into like queer baiting. The fact mm. that it was never like mentioned whether or not that was the case and like nothing came of that. I'm a little worried that it was sort of just put in there for us to look at. So, OK, fair. Because they were never explicit about it, I'm going to instead talk about the aspects of their friendship. And listen, a good romance starts with a friendship. So yeah, talking about the beginning anyways. So Amanda alludes to Chrissy not getting along with other kids. Like she sent her away to school like five Four times. times or something. Yeah. yeah. And that's sort of been like the whole thing of her life is that she's basically stuck on this farm because she can't connect with anybody else. So it would have been really easy to have River sort of be uncomfortable with Chrissy or like make fun of her or like, I don't know, do anything that the other kids were doing to show why Chrissy keeps coming back to the farm. But it was really nice to see River like not listen to the other kids. She was really understanding and like sort of talked to Chrissy softer, I guess, <laughs> than she probably would have with the other kids. Um, and it was really nice. And she like sort of adopt adapted to the situation, even buying like Chrissy a physical notebook to help her at school instead of like a laptop or anything like that. Because she's so used to living without electricity. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like when they came. So in the film, about halfway through, they have a game night with Amanda, her daughter, the man that helps out and his niece, River. And that's like the first time that River and Chrissy hang out for an extended period of time. And she starts a conversation. River starts a conversation off by saying that she talked to the other kids who mm -hmm. we saw earlier in the movie. Uh, were making fun of Chrissy. And then while that scene was going on, she's like, how like fucked up? Like, she doesn't say that. I can't remember the line exactly, but it makes you think that she's going to start making fun of Chrissy too now in the house yeah. when they're alone. I was like, no, but then they'd switch and do the 180 of her being so understanding. And like those kids are such assholes. Yeah. Which was so unexpected and it was played off so well. I mm -hmm. love that. And seeing their relationship grow. I completely agree. Love yeah. that. And it, I guess like the fact that there was like, we felt so romantic between them was because there was that sort of like softness between them and yeah. whether or not something romantic does happen, it, it, it's irrelevant to the fact that like they both they met each other on equal footing through just being understanding, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, you don't you don't usually see that in a friendship like that. <laughs> totally. My third point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like they were intentionally trying to make Uma less scary and more imposing. OK, this really flows well with what I was thinking in my points too. That's go good. on. So, like other haunting movies or like whatever would have the, the creature that you see just be like this immediately like scary figure in your in your eyeline uh, or like do creepy things, which like for the most part, Uma did some like stepping on the, the uh, bird and yeah. covering the place in bees and like wrapping um, Amanda up in like the many arms. But anytime that you saw Uma, I felt like it wasn't scary. Um, like she kind of just looked like a, a sad old lady. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was very like imposing. And they did a really good job of making that power dynamic between her and Amanda really apparent uh, in any situation that they were together. You can kind of see Amanda like melt every time Uma's around. Not even just like, oh, no, a scary ghost is around, but kind of like 
hey, my mom is around and I am a child again. And uh, I don't know, like, I feel like I maybe I wasn't scared because I didn't find the aesthetic of the character that scary or if it was intentional to have that that setup of like Mm -hmm. power dynamic fear. Yeah, it's interesting because that's also like I felt like the atmosphere of the film was what I really enjoyed. And I thought that the jump scares were actually not earned well. Yeah. Which kind of goes with what you were saying about she's not scary. She's imposing. And I totally agree with that. But then why were they trying to put in so many jump scares anyways? Because it felt so rushed. And I'm a person that likes jump scares. I find they're very effective in raising my heart rate and getting me (laughs) getting me on the edge of my seat in a horror film. But in this one, they sort of like took me out of the dread. Yeah, I think they should have done a lot more of like. I don't know, like Amanda not feeling safe in her own home, which uh, the parts where Uma was using like Chrissy's voice to be like, mom, help me and draw her out of the house were really creepy. Yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah. Swarming of the bees on the window really cre- created like this cool atmosphere that was very scary. The Kamiho uh, was not. It was really bad CGI that looked mm. <laughs> out of place and strange. Um, which, why don't you explain what that is, too, for people who don't know? It was during the climax when like Chrissy had come back uh, and Amanda had been possessed and Chrissy was like stumbling through their farm and fell down and saw what looked like a fox uh, eating one of their chickens. And then a bunch of tails appeared, but it looked like sci-fi network levels of CGI. It was pretty bad. Pokemon Go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also like weirdly out of place, like the. I guess they had been talking about like uh, something eating their chickens. And it was featured. The, that creature was featured on the handkerchief tied to the box. Um, all right. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. I just didn't. I did not catch that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I can't say if they had meant to make it scarier and it just didn't land with me or if it was intentionally supposed to be more oppressive than scary. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming would not be possible without the support of Mad Lab Distillery. With us since the very beginning, this distillery is Canadian and we love everything they create. You can get their amazing products at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com. Another behind the scenes is I have a uh, I have a bitter from them called Honey Pomelo. I did have to Google what that was, I think, for the second time on this show to see Isn't if it... is it like a cantaloupe? Yeah, and it doesn't taste like honey, so I, I didn't use it, but uh, honorable mention to Honey Pomelo <laughs> Bitter that I got from Mad Left Distilling. I also want to remind everyone about Evil Amy's Terror Shop. They have a code right now for a 10% discount off your purchase, which is EVIL10, all caps. Their store is EvilAmy'sTerrorShop.com, and it's July. You know what that means. October's coming. It's right Mm. around the corner. If you want to get some cool Halloween decorations for your home, this is the place. And I'm not talking about, like, the dollar store hangers or whatnot. This is, like, you know things for your kitchen they got cool glassware they got towels they got uh rugs purses it the list goes on we can't wait for our next box to arrive so check out evilamystarishop.com you can follow us on instagram and twitter at drink underscore scream on facebook at drink and scream and you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com if you do we'll read your email on the show 
And for more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. Let's bring ourselves back into the episode. What are your thoughts? I mean, continuing this train of thought and, and jumping off of that, like I was saying, the atmosphere of the film was what I really enjoyed. And the themes that they were exploring were something that you don't get to see too much in horror, I find. Like mm -hmm. e exploring intergenerational trauma was really meaningful to me. And we sort of talked about this off camera as well, about how or off mic, I should say, <laughs> um, how they it sort of felt like you get it. It's intergenerational trauma. Yeah. She was she had a hard life because of her mom who had a hard life because of her mom who had a hard life because of her mom. And it was just like kind of spoon fed to us. But then you made the great point of that's not something that a lot of like everyday audience member might think of, especially for people who are white folks like us. Yeah. Um. So that was really, really great for me to see. And I they added it through the layer of having it be electricity is what makes her afraid. And I thought that the moment where it's early on in the film, there's a storm and Amanda is like absolutely terrified of the lightning, can't sleep. And her daughter comes to comfort her because she knows that she's afraid of the lightning. Uh, and that moment was so beautiful. But then when her mom starts dealing with her other fears due to the abuse and this now spirit that has come to start haunting her, her daughter can't help her because she doesn't know. And Amanda's too closed off to be able to speak about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then just that whole interaction and dynamic throughout the course of the film was really great. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Or yeah. I guess enjoyed it isn't the right word, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, it is actually interesting because um, it's almost like Chrissy is supposed to be like a stand in for your average like American viewers. Mm. Um, because even like when Amanda's uncle comes to the house he's like why doesn't chrissy speak korean and amanda's like well she's american so it is almost like like amanda has been blocking chrissy from all of the trauma that she'd experienced yeah so it would make sense that chrissy wouldn't understand that aspect of amanda's fears but would understand the things that she can't hide which are a fear of storms and electricity yeah um, but it's those fear those other fears that she doesn't know about that are affecting her yeah exactly mm -hmm. um yeah it's really interesting and then my other point that I wanted to talk about was just the actual transformation over the arc of the film of Amanda into Uma, which uh, I thought was really well done. We talked a bit about how the, the uh, fox creature was kind of laughable, but this transformation, with, which included CGI and other, other things, I thought was really great. There was a lot of subtlety in the way that they changed Sandra O's oh face to look more like Uma and the attitude changing over time, causing her to lash out at Chrissy and then snap back to herself and apologize. I thought that was really, really great. And I also thought that a lot of the really good scares of the film, because there were some great ones. You mentioned one about how like uh, Uma comes and holds Amanda with multiple pairs of arms, one on top of the other. That part was pretty scary, but I found that it, in general, the scares worked well when it was Amanda afraid of seeing her mother's ghost. Yeah. Uh, right at the top, there's a moment that I felt was very hereditary, like where you see Uma sitting in the corner and the lights are off and she's just staring at her. They're both staring at each other. 
Uh, and it was so much so like hereditary that I'm uh, almost wondering, is this supposed to be like a reference? Is this a nod almost? <laughs> um, but that was very effective for me. And I wish there was more of those sort of elements when it came to the scares. Yeah. I mean, that moment was really cool, too, because um, you later learned that that was the moment that her mom died. So it was like mm. she had come to see her daughter and scare her one last time. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's it for my thoughts. Nice. Um, well, uh, my uncle stopped by and dropped off a crate and inside he says that there's a book. And if I don't read this book, uh, it'll haunt me. It's nothing like Uma, but uh, Hmm. figured figured we should open this book and, uh, you know, uh, see what it's about. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Catcher in the rye. Fuck that. I'm going to open the record. instead (laughs) this is where we talk about you know if you liked this movie or liked hearing us talk about it what do you want to watch that's similar and my recommendation is incantation from 2022 we just watched this a few weeks ago it's a taiwanese found footage horror film currently on netflix about a mother trying to save her daughter from a familial curse and i really enjoyed it that was incantation from 2022 I will say that it did something that I haven't seen in a horror movie before, and it was really cool and has stuck with me since. I think we might do it on the show this season because right, it was that I good. I won't say anything. <laughs> don't go. <laughs> just no, well, don't talk about it. Say your recommendation I at will. least. <laughs> Mine is uh, The Swarm from 2020. Uh, oh, it's a f- <laughs> good choice. <laughs> it's a uh, French film on Netflix that has a similar setting as Uma. Uh, It's about a woman who owns a locust farm with her kids uh, and she learns that they thrive on her blood. Uh, It gets pretty intense. So uh, check it out. It's the swarm from 2020. Scaredy facts. This is the part of our show where we are finished watching the scary movie and we decide to cuddle up under the blankies, either in bed or on the couch, and go over some horror movie trivia to remind ourselves that this is just a movie. It's not real. Uma's mask is not going to haunt us. Mm-mm. But you know what is real? The horror of drinking the second part of this cocktail that Kelly just took a sip of. I got too uh, cocky. I got near the end of my milkshake uh, container, and I should have stopped. <laughs> it was it was all seeds. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> This is two films in a row now that I'm feeling disappointed about the amount of trivia. This one makes a bit more sense, though, because it was so, so new. So here's the very limited facts I could get, including that the budget for this film was unknown. But nice to see that it did make 2.23 million worldwide. And this was released during the Panini. So I thought that was still a decent amount. The title of the film is Uma, which is Korean for the word mother. We didn't actually say that, so I figured we should in case anyone didn't know. That's true. In the trailer it said it, but they can't see the trailer. It's also (laughs) funny because in the title sequence it says Uma, and then it makes the M-A, the last two letters, turn red to say Ma. But then it goes even further after that, which I didn't appreciate, of saying in brackets, mother underneath. Yeah, I'm like... The ball was enough. We got it. <laughs> now you're just ruining it. Yeah. Through context later, you have uh, Sandra O say, that's my mother. That's my Uma. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Our, yeah. I could have gotten that in context watching the movie. Thanks, title sequence. <laughs> yeah. 
So this film was originally scheduled to begin filming in Vancouver on April 2020, which obviously did not happen. Well, Production was <laughs> initially shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But then filming eventually did begin on October 7th, 2020. So about half a year later. And instead it was in Los Angeles, California, and it wrapped in January 2021. Yeah, I and think LA last... was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope. Go for I it. was going to say, I think LA was like the first place that had like COVID uh, guidelines for filming. Because, I mean, that entire town just runs on movies so they needed to get their ass yeah vancouver was also very quick but i think it's more about crossing borders yeah that's true yeah people love to come to vancouver to film but people aren't here (laughs) (laughs) and then this one was just really interesting to dive into the lore a bit uh and the korean culture found in this movie uh that we didn't really know about so there are several references to the popular korean legend gumiho which are seen throughout the movie. By Korean and Chinese lore, a gumiho or kumiho is, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, is a spirit that may grow malignant by the amount of pent-up energy through the years. The legend may foreshadow Uma's story because she was a woman turned angry and spiteful over the years in light of her wasted potential, which is considered to be pent-up energy, as a dressmaker in favor of traditional societal roles for womanhood in a foreign land. Hmm. Um, and I also wanted to bring this up because we didn't really talk about it too much in my synopsis. I really grazed over this, but, uh, Amanda, when she's confronting Uma, she says, and she's very clear that it doesn't matter that what happened to her mom is no excuse for what her mom did to her to make her feel the same pain. Yeah. But, um, the discussion of how prestigious she was in her home country, And when she was forced to move to be a good wife following her husband to America, she lost all her status and all her really her personhood and just was forced to conform to these gender roles of being the mother and losing the the respect of the well-known dressmaker, um, which was really sad. And I like that they talked about that, but also didn't use it as an excuse for I forgive you, (laughs) you know, and Amanda doesn't even ever say I forgive you. She just says, like, I know what you went through. I'm acknowledging what happened to you. And that was good. Yeah, that was good. I I think that it was it was a good moment to be like, I fully understand why you did it, but it was it was not good. (laughs) Yep. Uh, do you have some final thoughts, perhaps? I do. Uh, Going into this, you surprised me with this movie because I had been wanting to see it for so, (laughs) so long. And it, of course, was the Panini, the goddamn pandemic. I mean, it still is right now. So we haven't been going anywhere. We weren't able to watch it. It wasn't streaming anywhere. And then suddenly you had it for me, which was great. (laughs) But it also... Sort of, I think I had hyped myself up for this film so much. I'm a huge Sandra O oh fan. So it fell a bit more flat for me than I think it would for someone who would go in blind without expectations on the film. But that being said, Sandra O oh is absolutely amazing. She pulled off this role, of course, splendidly and was completely believable and carried the movie with uh, Fievel, the the daughter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my point where my final thought was going to be that the whole movie was definitely driven by the acting uh, and stood on the shoulders of Sandra Oh and Fievel Stewart. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, my final thought also, I guess I, I, I remembered that I was going to say this when we watched the movie, um, but the difference between the two characters was 
the most apparent when uh, Amanda slaps uh, Chrissy and rather than like recoiling and like honoring her mom in that moment, she fucking slaps her back. Yeah, that was (laughs) good. It's like that not waiting years to confront your mother, but I'll slap you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Welp. That's been Uma, a movie about eventually uh, honoring your ancestors, which um, I don't think this drink did. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we'll be watching An American Werewolf in London from 1981. And remember, always scream responsibly. Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drink and scream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 